I just want to give a shout out to my best friend Richard who sent me this amazing ugly Christmas sweater this week. Um, this is the San Antonio Spurs. It's a professional basketball uh, team for those of you who didn't know and it is now my favorite thing that I've ever, I, I might just wear this every Sunday next year. I, I don't know. I, I love this thing. It's got the Fiesta colors, which probably doesn't mean anything to those of you who are not Spurs fans, but uh, it's, it's amazing and it's comfortable and it comes from San Antonio, so it's nice and thin. Which, uh, which I love that. I don't like thick sweaters, but you guys don't care about that. Uh, before we jump into the message, I want to let you know uh, something um, that maybe some of you have, have not heard yet. Um, this, uh, this past week, Chip's father, Paul, passed away. And uh, Paul, as some of you know Paul, some of you were in small group with, with Paul and just know how much of an encouragement he's been, at least he has been to me personally, uh, since he's been a part of our church family and community the last few years. And I uh, just want to ask that you be praying for Chip and his family as they are, are, are kind of going through the grieving process and him and his brother as they're uh, taking care of things. And uh, we're planning on having a celebration of life service in January, so uh, be looking out for information uh, for that. But I, I just want to uh, say a prayer for Chip and his family right now, okay? God, we want to lift up Chip and his brother and uh, their entire family as, uh, as they uh, both mourn and uh, uh, the passing of Paul, but also celebrate that he is in a better place. And God, we thank you for Paul's uh, faith in you. We thank you for his uh, commitment to being a follower of Jesus, and we praise you uh, for that. Uh, we lift up, we ask uh, for uh, comfort and uh, for uh, just uh, the ability for them to uh, process uh, over the next uh, few weeks and months and uh, the coming years uh, as they um, as they both grieve and uh, and celebrate Paul's passing and in Jesus name we pray amen as Sarah mentioned we are wrapping up our final message I, I again it is amazing to me that Christmas is here already I just don't feel ready for it I'm not sure why I don't think I ever do and I always think there's gonna be this lull you know, right after Christmas and during this time, there's gonna, we're going to be able to take a breath and kind of, no, a new year is going to start right after that. And so we're going to wrap up our Christmas series this morning and put a bow on it, if you will, with the 2003 instant classic, Elf. How many of you, I don't know if I should ask this. I was talking with somebody and I found out that they absolutely detest the movie Elf. And I don't know, it's okay to be wrong. It's, it's, all right, it's all right to be wrong because there's no perfect people allowed here. And don't forget that Jesus says, unless you become like little children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And so I just, I just want to let you know that, you know, maybe there's, uh, there, there might be a heart change that you need to do uh, this, this morning. And that's, that's okay. You can talk to me after the service and I will, I'll pray with you and we'll, we'll work with that, through that together. If you have not seen this movie, you should, you should rent it at some point. You should watch it and, and just appreciate it for the cultural phenomenon that it is. I mean, it's not going away. It is a thing that, that exists in our culture, and it's, it's, it's great. Uh, it's dumb, and it's corny. Absolutely. It's Will Ferrell, so you know it's not going to be an amazing film, right? I mean, you, you're going in there to laugh and, and joke about it and have fun with it. Uh, but at the heart of it, it is a reconciliation and redemption story between a father and his son. And what is really powerful of the story is why the character of the son is a catalyst for this redemption and reconciliation. So we're going to talk about that this morning. Now, if you haven't seen it, here is the IMDb movie description for you. Raised as an oversized elf, a human, you, see, you just read that, you know it's going to be good. A human travels from the North Pole to New York City to meet his biological father who doesn't know he exists and is in desperate need of some Christmas 
spirit. Now, I grant you, if an oversized elf shows up at my house and it's Will Ferrell and he's destroying my furniture to make little rocking, you know, chairs and he's making me eat uh, spaghetti for breakfast with a bunch of syrup and Pop-Tarts and candy all mixed into it. Some of you are like, oh, I've got to see this movie now if you, if you, if you haven't. I, like, I would be a little bit freaked out about that, so I don't know. I could see why maybe that doesn't quite get you into the Christmas uh, spirit. But in the midst of all the hijinks, Buddy the Elf... His dad discovers that there's more to his long lost son than meets the eye. And so there's a couple things that I want you to keep in mind as we, you know, give a little synopsis of the plot, but also keep in mind as we talk about the narrative of Jesus' birth and how this plays into the themes of Christmas that we celebrate, uh, in particular the biblical theme of joy in the birth narrative of Jesus. Buddy is raised in the North Pole. And so he's completely raised separately from, uh, from any other culture, uh, cultural experience that we would find normative, okay? So he, he's raised knowing the magic of, of Santa and all of those wonderful, amazing things that uh, apparently the North Pole looks a lot like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer as you watch the movie. So if you didn't know that, you'll find that out. Uh, so he's raised in a completely foreign culture from the rest of the real world. The real world doesn't have any firsthand experience with the wonder and joy of the North Pole, but for Buddy, that doesn't make it any less real or impactful in how he lives out his life. And the third thing is when Buddy doesn't let the real world steal the joy that he knows exists because of the supernatural he's experienced, he's able to help others experience that same life-changing joy. Some of you are like, oh, okay, maybe there are some redeeming things about this movie. Maybe you're not convinced yet. One of my favorite scenes in the movie is Buddy is working in the the toy department of a huge department store. Strange, the way he gets there is crazy, but he ends up there. He's an elf, and so he's, he's working there. And the manager of the toy department comes out, and he's making a general announcement to all the customers, hey, don't forget, Santa's going to be here tomorrow, and so you can come, tell him what you want, and take pictures and stuff. Well, in the midst of that, Buddy the elf just screams, Santa! You know, I, I don't really want to scream at you this morning, you know, so I'm not going to go. But, I mean, he just, everybody turns around and looks. There's the picture. You can see the strange looks people are, people are giving. And he goes, Santa, he's coming. I know him. I know him. And that's one of the pivotal moments of, of the movie to me, especially as we talk about this and the biblical, biblical themes of joy and, and, and how the birth of Jesus affects, affects our life. His joy and excitement doesn't just stop there, though. That night, he completely transforms the whole toy department. I think the Lego building is the most impressive thing with that, but he creates all these uh, paper um, snowflakes and puts all these lights up and the tinsel, and it's just this amazing thing that he creates in preparation for Santa. And so parents and kids, they come in, they're lined up to tell Santa what they want for Christmas, and his buddy comes out to watch the magic. He can't be more excited. He sees who's sitting on the chair, and it doesn't look like the right Santa to him. And, and that's how we get these classic lines. He walks up to him, and he, he gets real close, and he says, you smell of beef and cheese. You know, he's just like, Santa, Santa doesn't smell like that. He smells of, I, I don't know, sugar cookies, I guess. I, I don't know, cinnamon rolls and hot chocolate. Maybe that's what Santa uh, smells like, candy canes or something like that. And then you sit on a throne of lies, and then you get this great scene where Buddy and Santa fight and destroy the toy, toy department. When Buddy gets to the real world, he gets a pretty rude awakening because he, he recognizes that not everybody has had the same experience that he has. They don't know the joy of, of, of Christmas, the supernatural wonder that he has been able to experience because he grew up in the North Pole. And yet, ultimately, it doesn't deter him from spreading Christmas cheer. 
And so let's put a pause there in Elf because that's not what we're here for to talk about, right? And let's, let's move toward the narrative of Jesus' birth. And maybe we'll see some parallels, some themes in here uh, that help us when it comes to how we experience joy and Christmas cheer in our lives. Jesus, the Son of God, is sent to live and dwell among us. Coming from the presence of eternal community with God, Jesus separates himself, doesn't regard his deity as something to be grasped, and he removes himself from that situation to come and live here with us in what we would call the real world. Comes here to live with us and to love us. And these are glad tidings of great joy. They completely change our life experience when we discover and enter into a relationship with Jesus. My favorite chapter of the Bible is Philippians chapter 2, and I think it describes this uh, much better than I ever would. So I want to read this early Christian hymn that captures what Jesus does by coming here. And this is Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5. And Paul writes this, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And when this, this good news you know, that Jesus brings to us and shares with us and creates for us, when it is experienced, and it, it's expressed in our lives, it brings great joy. Everyone who met Buddy was greeted with the joy of Christmas because Buddy knew Santa. He had experienced Santa. He had lived with Santa, and that was a part of his life, and he expressed that joy. And everyone who meets us at some point is going to experience the joy of knowing Jesus because we know Jesus. You might not be going around to screaming in toy departments, you know, departments and toy, toy stores or department stores, Jesus, I know him, I know him. You might not do that. In fact, I would ask that you not. I just don't, that just wouldn't be necessarily the best practice, I, I, don't, I don't think. Um, but somewhere along the line, somewhere along the line, because if we, if we really understand and put into practice what Jesus has done, for us and in us and through us, what God has done. To, I mean, this amazing thing that he has completely changed the eternal trajectory of the world, you know, has opened up that opportunity and possibility because of Jesus. At some point, there's going to be a conspicuous joy that, that is, that is going to be the foundation of who we are as we celebrate what God has done in our lives. And listen, I, I know this about myself. I, I like to think of myself as fairly even-keeled when it comes to, you know, there's not a whole lot of times you're going to see me jumping around and, and say, ah, you know, hey, this is so great, it's Christmas, you know, and, and kind of going crazy that. I mean, for me, that wouldn't, it would be disingenuous, it would be exhausting as well, just because that's not my personality. Some of you, some of you, you just have joy just always exuding from you the way that you, and I love that about you, and some, you, you know who you are, I, and I love that about you because it's genuine and it's real, and I see the way 
way that you impact other people's lives. And, and I love that. And so I, that's such an infectious thing. I love to see those things when people are really high extroverts and they, and they share that joy with people. I, I just think that's an amazing thing. And it's transformative in the lives of other people. It makes us feel, feel good inside because we want to, to be a part of that. Some of you are more like me. We're kind of more even keeled. And, and, and when I say like me, I don't mean that I get this right all the time, but it's, but it's, it's who, uh, who I desire to be. You know, you might be fairly reserved, and yet the goal is that there's this constancy and this steadiness of joy that throughout whatever is happening in life, no matter what the circumstance, we're still able to pull from that foundation, and that enables us to continue on to being consistent and content with who God is, and that's an expression of joy that we share as well. And so it might look different in our lives, and yet they're no less valuable, they're no less important, they're no less powerful in how we express that joy of the good news of Jesus through the highs and lows of our lives. And then there are moments for all of us when we just, we need somebody to remind us. You know, there are times in life where we come up against stuff, and we, we just need somebody to remind us of that joy. We need, we need to be in God's Word to be reminded of His promises. We need to be around God's people. We need to be in worship with Him uh, to, together so we can be reminded that, that we have this joy that is a foundation of, of who we are. That it doesn't matter necessarily what we're going through, and it doesn't matter what we know, but it doesn't matter who we know and where he comes from, and how he has changed everything with what he has done. And this is the theme of joy that is repeated throughout the entire birth narrative of Jesus. And let, let's, let's look at just a couple, couple of those things. So if you want to turn to Luke chapter 1, that's where we're going to be this, mo- this morning. And it is actually Luke chapter 1. Last week, if you, hear, uh, if you were here with us, you may have noticed that I said we were in Matthew chapter 2, and we weren't. Uh, apparently, I, I completely lied. We were in Matthew 1 last week. So we are actually in Luke 1 this week. No perfect people allowed, right? And the first one that we're going to be talking about involves a mother and her baby. As Mary, uh, after, after hearing what the angel had told her was going to happen to her, Mary leaves uh, from where she is. Uh, she goes and spends time with her relative. And she is, uh, as she is nearing the surprise of her, uh, the culmination of the surprise of her own pregnancy, her relative is, as she and her husband, Zechariah, are older. And this is what happens when Mary shows up. So this is Luke 1, uh, verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. This is right after the angels visited Mary, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And so not only does Elizabeth respond with joy, but her baby in her womb responds in the same way. Now, I have never been pregnant. <laughs> Wasn't really sure what the reaction was going to be to that one, so I'm, I'm, good, I'm good with the laughter. But I do know what it's like to feel my babies move on the outside of my, of my wife's womb. By the way, never, never uh, go to touch uh, a woman's belly when she's pregnant without asking her first. I, sometimes that's a thing, and it shouldn't be, all right? Um, and that in and of itself can be pretty, I didn't plan on that aside, it's not in my notes, but there you go, there's a, there's a life lesson for you. Um, this, this joy uh, 
that, that, John's, that Elizabeth's son John, popularly known as John the Baptist, uh, feels. Uh, apparently he's having a party. In his, so when he, when he leaps for joy, I, that whole leaping for me, like leap and punch, I just think John's in there just kicking and punching you know, Elizabeth. And so she's like, oh, th- this is crazy. There's, a, there's this visceral reaction that's happening with this, with this baby, John, in, in, my, in my womb where they both have this, I know him, I know him, joyful experience because... God has revealed to them through the Holy Spirit what is about to happen. That he's about to do something incredibly life-changing for the entire world. Mary then celebrates. So right after this, after she shares this time and she spends time with Elizabeth and John is born, she uh, has her own song that she shares in Luke chapter 1. In verse uh, 46, Mary says, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Jesus' coming continues to be a source of joy for all who come into contact with him. Then John is born. Uh, Soon after, Zechariah celebrates what John's birth represents for the coming of Jesus. So later on in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 68, and then I'm going to skip to verse 76. This is is how John, uh, this is how Zechariah celebrates the joy of the coming of Jesus. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. I mean, if we, if we truly understand the implications of what Jesus has done, what God has done by sending Jesus to us, I mean, it, 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 all we can do is express joy as a result of that. As a, it is a part of our worship to God. Angels come and they praise God for the birth of Jesus right in front of the shepherds, freaking them out. And so that's part of the birth narrative of Jesus. Simeon and Anna are at the temple. And so soon after Jesus is born, he's brought to be presented there before God. And they are much older. They have been waiting for the Messiah for their entire lives. And they celebrate in joy. And you can keep reading and, um, as they get to experience the promise of the Messiah being, uh, being fulfilled. And over the last couple of weeks, as we've talked about the hope and the peace that we get to experience and express as a result of this season of Advent, um, along with this, at the core of what it means to be celebrating Jesus' birth and his coming again is a soul-deep foundation of joy at what God has done, is doing, and what he has yet to do both in our lives and through the lives of those around us in in the entire world. For the disciple of Jesus, that joy is only contingent upon one thing. It's not about our circumstances. It's not what's going on right now in our lives. It's not about how we feel right now, but it's the fulfillment of God's promise to save us from ourselves so that we can be with him. That's the foundation of joy that we're able to carry with us throughout our lives. It's a joy that's deeper than emotion and circumstance because it is joy built on the faith that the best has come and is yet to come. It's a joy that is conspicuous because of how following the life and teachings of Jesus completely changes how we live, um, that, that we are strangers in a strange land, um, that we are not citizens of this world, but we are citizens of the kingdom of God, and that changes our hearts and minds to be closer to the one who has created joy for us to experience in the first place. 
And one of the things that we do as a family every year is that we create our own tacky-like Christmas tour. I don't know how many of you guys like going, looking at Christmas lights, but it's one of my favorite things to do. I love, I love having things lit up. Some of you in this room have amazing uh, displays that you put up in your yard. Uh, the baiters have, have an amazing, they're actually one of our stops as, as we go through, uh, especially this year because you have a Millennium Falcon on your roof. Um, and that's, that's, to me, that's just amazing. But we, we look up different addresses. We've had people in the area that have won the great Christmas light fight stuff before. And so we'll create our own thing. And then eventually we uh, go, we end up at Krispy Kreme and the hot and fresh light is on. And that, that's a whole nother Christmas light for us. So we stop through there and, and get, get some donuts. And we love that and we enjoy, enjoy it. Um, it, it. You know, there's something about lights. It's something, you know, it gets, gets dark and you turn on those lights and it's just this amazing, you know, ooh and ah thing. It causes joy. It causes wonder. When you get older, you, you wonder about the electric bill and how in the, world, how in the world they do that. And so, I, you know, you think about that and you think, why does something so simple as just flipping on a switch, why, why does that help us get in the Christmas mood or in the Christmas spirit? I don't know. May, maybe for you it's just... Um, you know, celebrate the season. Maybe it's just tradition. You never really think about it. I mean, I, I blame daylight savings time because it gets dark too early, and we know we just need something joyful around five o'clock. You know, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be pitch black outside. Uh, maybe it's something deeper than that, though. Maybe it's because that light, when it overpowers the it powers the darkness, it brings joy to us. And maybe that simple thing of flipping the switch and looking at Christmas lights and how that makes us feel. Maybe there's something deeper at work there that. Um, that is that's true as well because that's what the birth of Jesus does. When Jesus comes, he 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 uh, opens up a sliver of heaven, and the glorious light of who God is, His character and His nature, and what He has done for us, it shines through through that sliver of Jesus coming and dwelling among us that exposes and erases darkness. You know, for 400 years before this, it's called the intertestamental period, there has been silence. There, there's not been any word from God through his prophets. And there, when you look at the Old Testament and the New Testament, contextually, there is a gap of 400 years between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament. And th- there's a time of darkness and silence. For a long time, the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, had been scattered. They had been conquered by the Roman Empire, by lots of empires. But at that time that Jesus was born by the Roman Empire, they're all over the place. They're not even actually able to worship in the way that God has called them to. As a result of that, it's been a time of, of darkness. The religious leaders of the day, because of their uh, influence and because of their perspective and the way that they thought about worshiping God, they were actually really oppressive and kept people from worshiping God that really the way that he had called them to, and Jesus calls them out for that regularly throughout his, his ministry, had been a time of, of darkness. And yet through that, despite all that, because of Jesus and because of how he came and what he came to do, his unique ability to show himself fully God and fully man and tell people about God, it's through that that we all get to experience the light. An elf buddy, over and over, no matter what, content, what, what happens to him, he still finds a way to embody joy because he knows Santa. He's experienced him, and it caused him to live in a conspicuously joyful way. How much more then for us that we, because we know the Son of God, we know Jesus, how much more joyful can we 
can we be? No matter what happened to Jesus, he continued to embody and inspire joy because he knows God, because he reveals God's character and his nature even more fully than we could ever understand on our own, ensures the joy of salvation that could be available for all mankind. And then that he's coming again soon to share the joy of an eternity with no physical separation between us and our creator any longer. It challenges any other worldview, any other philosophy, any other way of, of living so soundly that all of those, when compared to what God has done, are simply, at best, pale reflections of joy that the light of Jesus shines on our lives. And as disciples of Jesus, this season is one of joy for us simply because we know Jesus. And if there was nothing else, that would be enough because of what he has done. And there's a way to be able to continually draw from that joy as well. Because sometimes I know it doesn't, we come, come to Christmas and for some of us it's like, well, this is not the, my most favorite time of the year because this is going on with my family or this happening in my life or these other things. You know, I don't really like Christmas and so it's hard for me to, um, to, to draw from that joy. And yet Buddy gives us a good example in Elf. He's simply never deterred from sharing the joy of what he knows to be true. And this is how we ensure that we experience his joy. We experience joy. Sharing it. Sharing joy to experience joy is how we continually draw from what Jesus has done for us. When I'm excited about some, something, I tell somebody about it. And when I'm excited about it, when I'm joyful about it, I don't even care if they want to hear about it. You ever notice? I, I'm going to keep telling you because I don't care if you're excited about it because I am. And, and it's amazing, and I want to share that. with. Now, where I might draw the line is if, if not all of you have seen Spider-Man uh, the newest movie. Like, I won't spoil that for you, but I would love to talk with you about that after the service if you've seen it. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not, no spoilers. I want you to be able to experience that. But if you're a Spider-Man fan, go, go see that movie. Like, I'm going to share, I'm going to share that joy with you. I love the San Antonio Spurs, and this is an ugly Christmas sweater, and I don't care if you don't like it, because I think it's beautiful, and you're probably going to see it again soon. I, I just, I, I love it. It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, when it comes to Jesus, and what that means for our salvation and our eternity, and more specifically, the way in which we practice our life, the way we live within this world, it is a countercultural way in which we share and express our joy. And if not, if, if that isn't somewhere, somehow a part of our lives, then maybe we don't fully understand the implications of what Jesus has done. You know, we don't deserve anything in this life. I, I mean, the concept of fairness, if you really think about it, it's, it's kind of weird. Um, you, you know, if, if, they're, if we're not thinking about what God has done and, and as, despite who we are and what we've done, the way that we've broken our relationship with him, the fact that sin exists within our lives and that's something that, that has harmed our relationship between, between us and God. I mean, you know, when it comes to how God views us, I mean, he completely could have been very much within his, the realm of, of his response to us to say, you know, ah, they don't deserve anything because they've been messing up. They've been doing all the wrong things, and, and so, you know what, just let them kind of do their thing. We don't deserve any of the things that, that God does for us. And yet we start shedding the light of God's wisdom uh, through Scripture on our lives, start putting into practice uh, uh, God's uh, teaching in Scripture uh, with, with how Jesus lived his life, and we start to experience life in a wholly different, new, and joyful way in which Jesus' uniqueness fulfills everything that we need in our lives. It provides a soul-deep joy that's meant to be shared because it's meant to be experienced in community. 
as we share with one another this joy that we have, we get an even broader picture than what we had before of who God is and what he's doing in our lives together. And when we share it with others who don't have that joy yet, they get to see the answer to what's missing out all along for them that nothing else has been able to fulfill, that sustainable joy in their life. There's no greater joy than celebrating and sharing with others the one who has rescued us and has changed the eternal trajectory of our life for God's goodness, never-ending goodness in our life. And so this Christmas, I'm just going to ask that we take a page from Buddy the Elf. Yes, Buddy the Elf, Will Ferrell's character, to be a little bit more like Jesus. To recognize that this world is not our home. And the circumstances, the situations that we deal with here are not the things that we draw our joy from. And so when some of those things are gone, when they they go away or they're corrupted, we get to look toward God for that, to Jesus, to sustain and fulfill that joy that God has prepared for us. And so this world isn't our home. We are citizens of the kingdom. And that as we live conspicuously as citizens of the kingdom, our joy is evident, and it's something that we get to express and experience with others. We get to tell people why our joy exists and how it is sustained. So here's the one thing from the message this morning. Just tell, tell somebody you know Jesus. Again, not like don't go yell in the store, Jesus, I know him, I know him. You know, but there are people in our lives that desperately need the joy that we have, the foundation that, that we share together as followers of Jesus. And so let them know where it comes from. In word and in deed, let them know, I, I know him. I know him. And, and for some of us, it's going to be this bubbly, you know, really expressive joy that we get to share that's infectious with other people. Some of us, it's going to be the steady consistency um, through constancy through, through our lives that we get to share. It's like, no, I, I, I know him. I know him, and it has changed my life, and it will change yours as well. Pray for the Holy Spirit to guide you in sharing with someone. And maybe, maybe uh, that opportunity will create a life-changing conversation with someone seeking that joy that only Jesus can provide. Let's pray. God, help us to recognize that joy is something so much bigger than uh, just a feeling and it's just a circumstance, but it's something that uh, we get to choose to participate in as followers of Jesus. God, help us to express that joy. It it doesn't have to be through Christmas. It doesn't mean we have to put up Christmas lights all over our house, Um, but but just through our lives and how we live, how we talk to others, how we interact with other people, how um, how we prioritize our lives, what we what we put our time and effort into. God, help us to see how that joy is a foundation that is, is never-ending, that your cup is always full for us uh, as you continue to pour in uh, to us salvation that we desperately need from our sin, uh, from the sin of a broken world. God, help us to uh, continually pursue that joy, look for how we can express it and share it with other people. And help us to, to see how it is a foundation for Um, how we celebrate what you have done in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.